Renee Loves. Welcome to the Victorious You podcast. I'm your host, Isabel von Fallois. I'm a practical mystic, a best-selling author, the founder of the Angel Life Coach Training, the Isis Angel Healing, Magdalene Healing, and so much more. After surviving life-threatening leukemia with the help of the angels, I'm here to remind you that miracles are possible always and everywhere. Alone and together with amazing and inspiring guests, we will talk about all things spiritual and so much more. I'm here to empower you on your path of healing and spiritual awakening and to become the most victorious you. Enjoy! Hey loves, I'm so happy to be with you again. And thank you from the bottom of my heart and soul for all the lovely messages which reach me every single week. This truly means the world to me. And can you imagine, in only six weeks, we reached 44 countries on six continents and over 500 cities with Victorious You. I think this is quite incredible. And today I'm very happy to introduce you to another incredible woman, Ariel Forrett. She is an award-winning author of 11 books and a love relationship expert. Many, many years ago, I met Ariel during her The Soulmate Secret book tour in Germany. During her book signing, I realized somehow that she must have had heavy back pain and I offered her my help spontaneously. Within a short time, she felt much better and we stayed in touch ever since. And in this episode today, we speak about her first novel, The Love Thief, about narcissists, love relationships, and so much more. Enjoy! Welcome, dear Ariel, to my new podcast. I'm so happy to have you and to see you again after so many years. Thank you so much for taking the invitation to be with me. Oh, no, I'm thrilled to be with you. I've just, it's, it has been way too long. I think you need to visit me in San Diego. Oh, I would love to. And for sure, I will do that when I come back to, to California, which I have to do soon. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm so thrilled to talk with you about your novel, which just won a silver medal at the Global Book Awards, which is incredible. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it was very exciting. And I can imagine how, how powerful and how strong the way was to bring such a huge book out into the world. And I really want to read the powerful tagline of the love thief which says he broke her heart crushed her dreams until karma intervened i love that 
What is this book, this novel about, and what inspired you to write it? Well, it's a romantic spiritual thriller. It has a very juicy revenge subplot. And in the end, there's a surprise happy ending. And I never had writing a novel on my to-do list. I never thought I was going to do it. I never thought about doing it. And what happened was um, the story started to unfold in my head like a movie. And I kept trying to make it go away. I, you know, I was like, I don't, I don't want to write another book, let alone a novel, which I don't know how to write. And every day more of the story would come. And um, I could see that the story takes place in California and in Rishikesh, India. And at the same time this was happening, I was taking an online course with Dan Brown, who wrote The Da Vinci Code, which is he's one of my favorite authors. <laughs> and on one of the episodes of the course, he was talking about location as a character in the book, about how Florence, Italy was a character in Da Vinci Code. And I thought, God, isn't that fascinating? What an interesting way to look at it. And then I realized that if I were going to write this book, Rishikesh, India would be a character in my book. And But I was like, no, I don't want to write this book. I'm never going to write it. And yet it pursued me. It wouldn't go away. So I finally sat down and I had a conversation with God one day. And I said, listen, God, I don't want to write this book. <laughs> but it seems like somebody somewhere wants me to write this book. So here's the deal. If I'm supposed to write the book, I need to manifest a $7,000 business class ticket to India to go do the research. And when I made that deal with God, I felt great relief. I thought, oh, that is never going to happen. I don't have to write the book. And then two days later, the ticket was in my hand. It this was just, is incredible. It was so crazy. I ended up running into a former business partner and he's like, oh, Ariel, hi, how are you? What's up? And I said, well, I'm trying to manifest a trip to India. And he says to me, well, when do you want to go? And I threw out some dates at him and he said, oh, he looked, he looked at his calendar on his phone. He said, oh, I'll take you. He said, last time we went to India, we had a great time. Happy to take you. And then I had the ticket. And even better, two days before I was supposed to leave, he had to cancel. He had a, he, something couldn't go. So he said, you go have a good time. And I was so thrilled because I didn't really need him. I, I didn't need any distractions. I knew what I needed to do. So I went to India. And when I got to India, all the pictures in my head, the movie in my head, unfolded in Rishikesh. I, I tripped across the people I needed to meet, the places I needed to see. And it just became evident that there was this book inside of me kicking and screaming to get out. And it was my job to write it. I had no idea what I was doing because I've, I've only written nonfiction. And I had no idea it was going to take me four and a half years. I totally but, understand this. <laughs> yes, uh, because when I write nonfiction, it never takes me more than six months. Yes. You know, and I have a formula for writing nonfiction, but I did not have a formula for this. All I had was this movie in my head. And how do I translate what I'm seeing and feeling into words that make sense? So the longest chapter in my book is the acknowledgments <laughs> because I had so much help from all of my friends who were writers and, you know, hiring 
lots of freelance editors and book doctors and my agent gave me notes all the time. So that book got written and rewritten and redesigned. And now that it's over, I'm very happy with how it turned out. And when I read it, it's like, well, who wrote this? There's no way I wrote this. You know, I, I feel like I I was possessed by some otherworldly group of writers that just used me, used my fingers to put it on the page. That's so powerful. May I ask you whether you already started writing in India or whether you made some notes or you just went for all of the experiences? I Yeah, I didn't start writing till I got back from India. Um, you know, because when I went to India, I still didn't really know what was going on. I just knew that I needed, I had been to Rishikesh several times before, but I had never walked the streets looking at the colors and smelling the air and listening to the sounds and wanting to capture it. So I had a notebook. I still have the notebook. I took a million notes and, and things were revealed to me like, like, I swear I was possessed. That's the only thing I can say. I, I had a very friendly possession. Yes, and you really can feel it. I have to admit, I I really read the novel in the summer. You gave it to me before and I started, of course, because I wanted to give you also credits for it because I am so happy you did it. But I felt that it's a summer read and I have to do it in the summer. And it really took me in, especially all all the yes the energy of india you know i have never been there in this lifetime but you really took me there i could really breathe the air and smell the flowers and everything because you really described it like in a movie i love yes. it yeah and and it is going to be a movie at some point there's a hollywood producer who fell in love with the love thief and she's going to turn it into a limited streaming series Unfortunately, they can't work on it yet. Right now, we have a writer's strike and an actor's strike, and it's been going on since early summer. So nothing's happening with that, but you know that's a slow process. It'll happen someday. But really, I wanted the reader to feel like they were there, and I wanted to feel I wanted them to feel every emotion my heroine was having because she was massively betrayed by both her fiance and her best friend business partner. And then she nearly dies in a car accident and she has to overcome and rebuild her life when she's at the bottom. So the, the book is really coded with a lot of spiritual messages and a lot of uh, ways to overcome betrayal. Uh, and what I discovered afterwards was that almost every woman I know has had a massive betrayal. And yeah. in her life. And because I started getting emails and calls from readers saying, you know, you wrote this book for me. And it's like, now what's your name again? I don't even know you. But the women who read it have had the same experience that Holly has. And they call me afterwards and say they feel like they've been healed. So even though I never sat down and said, okay, I want to write a really juicy novel that has a healing component. I got used to write that. Exactly. It's it's very, very powerful. Also, the relationship between Deepak and Holly is so incredible. And, and the love, the very special kind of love, which is not like a relationship love, it's, mm -hmm. it's a higher love. 
is so healing you can really feel it yeah. through the lines and they heal each other you know so so deepak is the hero of the book and he's a retired professor from the university of michigan and he he specialized in counseling psychology but he had been born and raised in india and after his wife dies he moves home to india but he's still suffering so much from the loss of his wife so by becoming a guru and a guide to this young messed up girl <laughs> she heals him he heals her and it's it's a really beautiful love story in its own yes and but it's not about really being partners it's really on a higher level this is so yeah. powerful because you really bring so different levels of love into into the novel which is so beautiful because at the end everything is about love in our lives right even you say all you need is love is a lie in your in your mind or how can you explain that because the song of the Beatles is so so well known well you know so my specialty is helping women find love keep love and be love and the Beatles did this beautiful song all you need is love but when it comes to having a long-term healthy marriage love is not enough Now, do you need love? Yes, of course, you need to have some love. But you also have to have connection, compatibility, clear communication, chemistry. And most importantly, the number one most important factor in predicting a long-term happy marriage is having a shared vision for the future. You know, we both want to be legally married and live under one roof and have children. Or we both want to be in a committed monogamous relationship and live down the street from each other. Or we want to only see each other once a month. It doesn't really matter as long as you have this shared vision, you know, yes. because if you're someone who has a passport in your back pocket and travel is one of your highest values, you're not going to be happy with somebody who hates to travel, is afraid of airplanes, is agoraphobic. There's <laughs> no possibility. So the whole idea that all you need is love is enough is not true, you know, and then love comes and goes. So the other thing, um, that I really wanted to stress in the book is what love is because so many women in particular think love is the state of being in love and the state of being in love is your brain on drugs True. it's your brain on oxytocin and dopamine True. adrenaline yes. and you're having this experience which is a great drug high with a stranger right? A virtual stranger. And you're making up this whole story. Oh, we've known each other for lifetimes. You're the one. We're always going to be happily together. And this is with a stranger. So the truth is, real mature adult love is first and foremost a behavior. And it's a choice and a decision and an action and a way of being. And even when you're with your soulmate life partner, there will be days when you hate them. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that you don't love them. So True. really understanding what love is, is a message that isn't taught. It's not the Disney fairy tale version. You know, our eyes meet across a crowded room and boom, we live happily ever after. That doesn't happen. You know, yeah. and if you're waiting for that, if it's like, well, I want it to happen organically and we're just going to know chances are you're going to be married many times because you're going to get married in the state of being in love, which of course is not love. It's you're going to get married on the drug high. And then six months or three years later, when the feelings are gone, 
suddenly you're confronted with this real person that you don't know. True, <laughs> true. And you know what? I love that when Holly meets this other person, I don't want to say too much now, but that they really take time to go into a connection. And they start out as friends. Yes. And he knows everything about her. He knows her deepest, darkest secrets, you know, and he loves her for that. He loves her for her, you know, she's a warrior. Yes. She's a spiritual warrior. She's, you know, she's going to do the right thing. And she's, you know, not afraid to uh, embrace all the emotions she goes through because being betrayed, being betrayed is the hardest negative emotion to overcome. And the reason for that is that you can't be betrayed by a stranger. Now you can be ripped off by a stranger, but they can't really break your heart. The people who break your heart the betrayal comes out of nowhere and it hurts so bad because you love them and you thought they loved you. And suddenly they, they completely crush you with yeah. the betrayal. You never see it coming. So overcoming that is so hard. And, you know, and until you experience it, you can't even imagine it. Right. And unfortunately, yeah. almost all of us have had our heart broken at least once. That's so true. And I really love that you show all these different perspectives of love, because as you say, so many women still have this fairy tale dream. And uh, in another way, like you, I also teach women to come over that. And I really want you to go into because the, the evil guy in the novel is really a narcissist. And a sociopath. And I really want you to let women know what are the red flags because you are such a relationship expert. And I really would love you to talk about this. So a toxic narcissist slash sociopath, they tend to be good looking, charming, charismatic, irresistible. And when they see a beautiful, successful woman, They target her. So this doesn't happen to really ordinary average women. This happens to beautiful, successful women. And they do what's called love bombing. They love bomb you. As soon as they meet you, they start whispering in your ear everything you ever wanted to hear. You know, especially if you're over a certain age and you're super successful, they know that you've got everything going for you except love, that your heart is longing to be loved. So they tell you everything you want to hear. It's like, where have you been all my life? I've been searching for you. We're going to have the most beautiful life together and beautiful children and thank God. And let's not waste another moment of being apart. And you go from zero to a million miles an hour and all the time you're being set up because who they really are especially once you have sex with them and all the oxytocins going through your system, you know, you're hooked. You're now a junkie. You're an addict for this man's love. And then who they really are shows up and suddenly your bank account starts to disappear. Oh yes, I've got this big deal coming through, but it's tied up in litigation. And could you just loan me $80,000 and I'll have it back to you with interest and you love them so much and they're so there for you and you've never felt so seen and heard and admired and they're giving you back rubs every night. 
And then suddenly you're heartbroken and you're broke, you know, and it's just horrible. And it happens all too often. And we don't hear about it because the women that it happens to are too ashamed to tell the truth about it, you know, and they're heartbroken because they thought now that good guy that I fell in love with, he's in there. I know I had six weeks of heaven with him. Where did he go? What did I do? What did I do wrong? And how do I get him back? And my favorite line in the whole book is when, when Holly is at this really low point, she's, she's talking to Deepak and she said, she says to Deepak, did he ever love me? Did I ever love him? And Deepak says to her, Holly, a man like this is not capable of love. And asking a man like this to love you is like asking a man with no arms to hold you. Simply impossible. And until that moment, even though he had done all these horrible things to her, there was a piece of her that was missing him, that was missing the dream, you know, that was missing every the fantasy of what her life was supposed to be like with this man. And now she's finally getting to the truth that it was never going to be that. It was never possible. And thank God she figured this out before she had children with him because way too many women marry these men, have children with this man. Like I had, I have one friend who's, you know, got a PhD, super successful life coach, smart as can be, deeply spiritual, just discovered right before she read my book, she was the one who called and said, you wrote this for me, that her husband of 10 years was married to another woman, had children with this other woman, and that relationship existed before she even met him. And he had kept it secret for 10 years. And, you know, so you can't really blame yourself. These people are master criminals, right? They're just they're evil. They're incapable of feeling empathy. Yeah. You know, they just want what they want, you know, and then even if there were some red flags, this is what they're particularly good at. Let's say you catch your sociopath boyfriend in a lie, you know, and you confront him. You told me X, Y, and Z, and that's not true. Rather, this, most, most of them will deny, 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 but a really smart one will say, you know what? You're right. I'm really sorry. The reason I lied to you was because I didn't want you to fall out of love with me. I didn't want you to disrespect me. You are my whole world. I need you so much. The idea of losing you was too painful. And that's why I lied to you. And then you're back in love with them. And that's, that's, you know, so yes, the red flags are there, but if you don't nip it in the bud, you're going to get caught up. You know, if you don't, if you don't catch them at the earliest lies and say, you know what, as much fun as this has, as much as I would like this to work out, you know, I need to go. And it's not that hard, especially now with the internet, you know, back in the day when there was no internet, you had to hire a private detective. Now you just got to get online, you know, and you can discover the ex-wives and the ex-girlfriends and the criminal past or whatever it is. You know, and you have to be strong enough to say, you know what? I deserve better. Yes. I, I'm better off being alone 
than being with somebody who's ultimately going to break my heart and steal all my money. Thank you so much for this, Ariel. I know so many women listening to the podcast will be so grateful for you telling this so so intensely because I I know I went into things like that. So I totally know. Of course, now I'm in a long term marriage, but before, so I know exactly what you're talking about, and I'm so happy you put it so on point. Thank you so much. And the other thing to realize is that women, particularly women over 40, when they meet somebody and they want him to be the one, they do it out of a place of scarcity. Like this is my last chance. There's not going to be another person out there, you know, because they live in this idea that we each only get one big love in a lifetime or all the good ones are taken, or I'm too old or too fat or too damaged, or I live in the wrong city. And they make up all this shit, all these lies. And the truth is there's no shortage of love in the world. I just had this thing made, where is it? It's on my desk here somewhere. It's a little stamp that I stamp when I sign people's book. And the stamp says, there's no shortage of love in the world. Wow, I love that. And, and you're that's the truth. There's yeah. no shortage of, there's 8 billion people on the planet. Half of them are single, you know? And if you're a straight person looking for your polar opposite, then, you know, there's at least, you know, 2 billion of those. Do you know how many a billion is? There's, a, there's no shortage. But women live like, yeah, this is my last chance. I'll find a way to make it work. No, you deserve better. Exactly. You're so right. And and I think also your book, you know, it can give so much hope that you really have to be able to also stop in your mind the past dream. Because if you yeah. stick to the past, you can't start anew, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. The, and the weird thing about love that I discovered is that love never really dies. So you could, you, let's say you were married for 20 years and then he cheats and you divorce him or whatever happens. And, and then you still feel all this pain, even though you were the one that left. And the pain comes because we want to stop loving them. And you don't need to stop loving them. You can find a little corner of your heart to love them. You just need to stop obsessing over them. He's not coming back. He's with somebody else now. There's somebody else out there who's looking for you if you would get off your butt and get visible. You know, there's there's so many ways to meet people these days. So um, that's the other thing I'm going to tell any singles that are listening to us right now. On my website, I have a free online dating guide. And I know everyone says, oh, I hate online dating. It doesn't work for me. Actually, it does work. You're just doing it all wrong. So if you go to my website and you download the online dating guide and you follow the directions, you can make it work for you too. Oh, this is so great. Thank you so much. And you know, God ways are very, very different. You never know how you meet someone. Why not online? You know? Well, 40% of all marriages in the United States now start online. 40%. Wow. It does work. You know, it's just which, which apps are you on and how are you using them? You know, yeah. and if somebody, you know, you, you can find out really quickly if somebody's a good person, you know, it's like, let's say you have a couple of little digital messages going back and forth. 
You know, you don't want to do that forever. You don't want to waste your time texting with a stranger. You just say, listen, hey, let's get on a FaceTime for 15 minutes and see what happens. And if they can't commit, block them. You know, if they if they don't show up, block them. Don't give them a pass, right? You want somebody who's going to do what they say they're going to do and mean what they say. And the only way to know that is to FaceTime with them or at least get on a phone call with them and ask questions. You know, yes. just friendly questions. Be nice. You don't want to interrogate them, but you want to <laughs> ask what I call clarifying questions. You know, so if they say something to you and you find yourself reacting like, "Ooh," or I didn't like that, don't assume you know what they mean. Just say, oh, you know, I just asked you ABC and you said XYZ. Is that what you meant? Oh, no, no, no. That's not what I meant at all. What I meant was this. Like, don't be afraid to ask questions. You want to know, like, like here in the States, politics is a very big deal these days. You know, we've, we've got a lunatic running for president again. He's a very evil man. And then there are people who are what we call clear thinking, logical, common sense. They call us progressives, you know, because we want health care that works for everybody. We don't have that in this country. You know, we, we don't want to put kids in cages because they came over a border from Mexico, stuff like that. So, you know, on the first call, you want to sort of find out what side of the fence they're on because it's never going to work. You know, if you're somebody who loves Donald Trump and I'm somebody who is a progressive, we're never going to see eye to eye, you know, because we have different values. You know, and ultimately you want somebody who shares your values. Now, if you are somebody who likes Donald Trump, that's great. You know, put that in your profile. You know, I have I have five different MAGA hats. You know, there's easy, fun ways to let people know what yes. your politics are. But don't think you're going to change somebody. I can't no. tell you how many divorces have happened in the last six years here in the States because they weren't concerned about politics until this. And now yes. they are. Yes, yes, of course. And I think this is really one very, very important thing when you meet someone, if you have shared values, because if you have not, there will be a point, at least after six months, where you can't do anything together anymore. Yeah. Yeah. If it's no, totally values are really important. Like if you're somebody who really values family, you know, and you want to see your mother and your siblings and you want to have children and you want them to have aunts and uncles. And then you've got somebody who was an only child, never wanted family, doesn't have any family, doesn't really like your family. It's not going to work. You know, so these are this is why, you know, this whole love at first sight thing doesn't make any sense at all. You don't want to commit to spending the rest of your life with somebody until you've spent a minimum of one year dating them and you've met their friends and family and they've met your friends and family and you've traveled together and you see how they are under stress and you've been through different challenges, you know, and you understand where you both are on money, you know, like it, you don't, it doesn't matter who has more money. That's not at all important. But what is important is that you have somebody who's financially responsible that they respect the amount of money they have and they know how to use it. You're so right. Because yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't really matter who's earning more, No, you know, as doesn't. long as you're in agreement with, okay, well, you know, we're, we're going to save up for this. or we're going to spend money on that. Like I would be spending my money on travel, 
you know, and I can't be with somebody who only wants to stay in a Motel 6 because I'm a pleasure puppy. I want to stay in really nice hotels or I'd rather <laughs> not travel. Yeah. Yeah, I totally get you. I totally understand. And yeah. and so it was also why you manifested that ticket, because that's your way of traveling. It's your way yes. of, of, of feeling abundant, of being abundant. And plus, I'm tall. I cannot sit in coach for 21 hours. I It's totally a 21-hour flight from San Diego to Delhi, right? And I even, even in business class, it's a lot. You know, yeah. it's it's a lot. So I need to be comfortable or I'd rather stay home and, you know, watch a doc, you know, a documentary on India. Yeah, yeah. But I really would love to ask you, you have been there just really being used, as you said, from some friendly entities to to go into that space. And I really feel you have had a lot of mystical experiences on your own when you have been there, when I look into your auric field. Yeah. And so I really would love you to share a little bit of this with the well, audience. One of the really fun ones that happened on the last trip to Rishikesh was I um, I was walking around Tapavan, which is like sort of the center of the little town there. And I suddenly had this desire Because I'd seen a lot of people walking around and they had red strings tied around their wrist, which I knew they had somehow gotten a blessing from somebody. And I thought to myself, oh, I would really like to have a, a red string blessing. And at that moment, uh, I felt a tap on my shoulder and I turned around and there was a man dressed as Hanuman, the Hindu monkey guide, all painted up. And he said to me, madam, may I give you a blessing? And I was like, you know, instant, instant gratification, you instant know? Um, yeah, that, that just kept happening over and over again. I'd have a thought, wouldn't it be lovely if, and the next thing I know, it, it was just right there. Everything kept happening that way. And may I ask you, did you also have such a special experience with Maganga, with the river, the whole river? I didn't. Uh, no, and I, I actually um, didn't even attempt to do that because I didn't really feel like, A, I, don't, I didn't feel like I needed that. Yes. But that really did happen to, um, in the book, there's a holy woman named Sadhvi G. She's a real person. She's my best friend. And wow. that happened to her um, 27 years ago on her first trip to India. She had been physically, emotionally, and sexually abused as a child and was in mental institutions at different points in her teen years. And, she, and while she was in India, she met this guru and she asked him, how do I let go of this pain? And he told her, give it to Maganga, give it to the river. And she went into the river and had this enlightenment experience. And today she's one of the most well-known holy women in the world. She speaks at the United Nations. She runs the largest ashram in Rishikesh. And she's an American. She's a nice Jewish girl from Sherman Oaks in, in LA. Oh, wow. yet she now speaks Hindi fluently. She writes books in Hindi. And so it was her experience that I tapped into to write this experience for Holly. Because it felt really so lively that I really felt it must have been the experience of yourself or someone you know very yeah. closely because it was so powerful written. Well, all the experiences in the book 
are pretty much based on either something that happened to me or to a friend of mine. And then I changed the names to protect the guilty and the innocent. So technically the book is a work of fiction. And, you know, I, I had enough experiences to, to write that level of exuberant joy and, you know, death defying grief and sadness and pain. Um, the other thing I want to mention is I created a bonus for the readers of the book. Yes. If, if you go to the website, thelovethief.com, what I did was I had eight of the world's top yoga teachers make a video on a specific emotion sharing, let's say, the yoga philosophy for overcoming anger, grief, betrayal, heartbreak, uncertainty, and then give the yoga poses to do to heal that emotion. And those are all at thelovethief.com for free. This is so Beautiful. And thank you so much for telling it here. And of course, I will put all of this also in, in the show notes because people really should have the chance to read the book, to hear through the book, but also through these powerful videos. Because as yeah. we know, yoga can really change everything. I mean, yoga is so powerful. And and there's something else I want to ask you because you, you don't know yet, but the name of the podcast is Victorious You. So I have a question oh, to you. Sure. <laughs> what makes you your most victorious you what makes you victorious or feel victorious um well I love to win it's true I really love winning and I try to set up my life so that I can measure the wins you know I think a big mistake a lot of people make is they don't they aren't clear on how to measure success in their life You know, especially authors, you know, if you ask an author, how are you going to measure success? They'll say book sales. Mm -hmm. And whether you've sold a lot of books or you haven't, the truth is selling books doesn't change your life. What changes your life is when you meet the reader who says to you, oh, my God, when I read page so-and-so on your book, it totally shifted my perspective and healed me and made me feel good and gave me the will to live again. I mean, that's how you measure success as a writer right? So with everything that you do, it's like if you're someone who loves to cook, you measure success if somebody enjoys your meal, you know, so looking for me, looking for ways to win is a conscious effort, you know, like, okay, I'll, no matter what it is I'm up to, I ask myself, how am I going to measure success? You know, and then I make it easy. I don't make it, you know, I don't do these impossible things, except when it comes to buying lottery tickets. I do buy lottery tickets and I will measure success when I win, you know, multi-million dollars <laughs> on the lottery. And I'm so sure I'll win someday that over here, you can't see it from here. I actually, Brian and I have signed a contract with each other on how we're going to use the money when we win it. Wow. We have a pie chart because after you're not winning for several years, I started to think, Why am I not winning? What's in the way of me winning? And I realized there was something in the way. And what that was is I had this belief that Brian and I would fight over how to use the money because he's much more generous than I am. Okay. And so I, that's when I came up with the pie chart and I came up with this very equitable way. So there's my money and his money and our money and money for charity. And then I had him sign and date it that he was in agreement so that when the money comes which it's coming one of these days <laughs> you don't have to have a discussion 
It's we are actually already know. We I even know, know who that. our money manager is going to be. You know, <laughs> that's a very cool idea. I love yeah. that. And you're right. You're right. Of course, if you have had this belief before, there was something in the way, and now the millions can come. They can come, right? Because it's it's safe and. And it's not going to be stressful because you, you probably know this, but something like 80% of the people who win lottery money blow it all within five years. That's and then they're they're back to wherever they were before, which is usually being in debt because yeah. they can't accept, they can't receive abundance. Yeah. So they can't keep it. You need the abundance mindset to keep it. Yeah. And you need, also need to know you are worthy to have it and you are worthy to share it and to do good things with it. Yes. No, I'm really looking forward when people say to me, what is your career? I just say philanthropist. I love you that. Know, I need to do that more often because these days I mostly say writer. But the truth is, I'm a, I would like to be a bigger philanthropist than I am. I can imagine. And and I really want you to announce something beautiful, which is gonna happen in Italy in 2024. May you share this, please? Sure. I am putting together a woman's retreat for six nights, four nights in Tuscany at a beautiful villa and two nights at a hotel in Venice on the canals to help women Find love and keep love. So I'm going to teach you everything I know about how to manifest your soulmate life partner and as important, how to keep them and yourself happy because most people are kind of clueless, like they get the soulmate, but then they go ahead and they, they do everything in their power to wreck it. So it's about finding love and keeping love. And uh, it's, it's at my website, arielford.com slash events. And all the details. So there's a video there. There's lots of pictures of the villa. We'll be doing lots of day trips. We'll go to wine tastings, olive oil tastings. Of course, we're going shopping because <laughs> another piece of the retreat will be how to live the La Bella Figura lifestyle. And that is the Italian way of finding and having more beauty in your life. True. So you can create a beautiful life with the love of your life. This is so beautiful. And may I congratulate you and Brian for 25 years together. And it's so great. And I got to know both of you. And I can always feel when I see your photos on Facebook, how powerful this marriage is. And I'm, I know because of the health issues, which were for Brian, that you really also went through really tough times together. But I can see you so beautifully and so radiant again and it's so beautiful to watch this so thank you, thank you. i really can tell and you I, and everything i did to manifest him is what i'm teaching in italy exactly that's what i wanted to say yeah. you, you yeah. can really come to ariel because she knows what she's talking about that was the reason i wanted to bring in brian because you really know and you walk your talk and you can see that you can feel that And is there anything at the end what you would give to the audience, which is your motto or something very powerful for you? You know, if you have the desire to have a soulmate life partner, the desire, just the seeds of that desire is proof that you are meant to have it. 
And the only thing stopping you is either uh, a belief or divine timing. The divine timing will come, but you can't be pushing it. So just know that if you have this desire to have love in your life, then it's time to actively start taking baby steps to make yourself more visible. Because just as you are looking for them, they are looking for you, but they can't find you if you're sitting on the couch in your living room watching reality TV and bemoaning the fact that you don't have anybody. You know, you actually need to get out there and do something. Thank you so much. This is so beautiful. And the whole interview was so powerful. I'm sure it helps so many women, but I hope also men, not only women, of course. And may you just say how people can find you? You know, I'm, I'm very easy to find. My website is myname.com, arielford.com. I'm on Instagram, arielford44. And I'm on Facebook at Soulmate Secret. And um, yeah, I'm not hard to find. You just Google me or find me on Instagram. And I will put everything in the into the oh, show great. notes too. And so thank you so much for your precious time, dear Ariel, and sending you so much love and a big, big angelic hug. Yes. Wishing you all the best. Thank you. Thank you. And Brian and I can't wait to have you come visit us. So make that happen. <laughs> I will. Thank you so much and have a great, great day. Thank you. It was such a joy to speak with Ariel again after so many years. And I absolutely love her mission to help people find love, keep love, and most importantly, be loved. We recorded this episode already in 2023, but I wanted to share it in February as February is also called the Love Month because of Valentine's Day. And I wanted to launch some interviews about love relationships this month. And I think Ariel is the perfect guest because she has been called the fairy godmother of love and the Cupid of consciousness. And I hope You receive many, many insights out of this conversations, no matter if you're single, in a new relationship, or a long-term love relationship. Please share your insights in the comments on social media, in your stories, or whatsoever. Just let me know. This would mean so much to me. And if you truly like this episode, you can also share it with people you love and who you think could benefit from this. So always remember, miracles are possible, always and everywhere. And love is the ultimate answer. Till next time, sending you infinite love.